Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights and topical debate. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is when you tune into this July edition of our Into Security podcast. I'm Elena Dalloway, Editorial Director at Info Security Magazine, and I'm joined by my team, Benjamin David, Deputy Editor, and James Coker, Reporter. So, hey guys. Hey guys. Nice to hey be here everyone. Again. Nice to be here too. You've been hearing from us a lot more than usual of late, as we've sought to bring you Into Security Daily, a new news round podcast that we're producing daily whilst our website remains offline due to a DDoS attack. At the risk of repetition, for those of you that have heard all of this before and have been tuning into the daily podcasts, let me quickly explain for those that haven't. For the past two weeks, InfoSecurity magazine has had its hands tied and been unable to bring you the content that we so tirelessly work at doing usually. Our website and later our CMS has been the target of an incredibly significant and relentlessly sustained DDoS attack. Despite having the industry recognised and respected DDoS protection in place, the attack has sadly taken us offline. We are in the process of migrating to a new, more robust hosting provider, But whilst we complete that process, we do sadly remain offline. It's been hugely imperative and important to me and the rest of the team that we've acted with transparency, integrity and honesty throughout the entire ordeal. We have been candid about what we're experiencing and importantly, we're committed to sharing our learnings in a meaningful way with the community when we come out the other side. We are in the final stages of migration now, so I hope to bring you some very positive news at the beginning of next week. Anyway, all that said, we are so grateful to this episode's sponsor, Rockwell Automation. Rockwell Automation has expanded its threat detection services to include Cisco CyberVision. This alliance helps IT and OT work together to fight cybersecurity threats. Learn more at ROK auto forward slash security. So we're going to kick off this episode with a roundup of the top news stories. And then we've got a special introduction to Respect in Security, which is a new anti-harassment initiative for the cybersecurity industry. We get to speak to one of its co-founders to discuss the story behind this new, very important movement. For now, though, let's kickstart the news. Um, I think, James, you're going to talk to us about DDoS attack volumes. And I think whatever the opposite is of bringing music to my ears, um, that's what's happening right now, because that word DDoS does to me, uh, it sends shivers down my spine right now. Um, That's perhaps more of an accurate way of describing it. So over to you, James. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. As, as you say, DDoS is something we're obviously really familiar here with uh, info security, very sadly. So yeah, this story resonated with us quite a bit. So basically, a new study has found that the average number of DDoS attacks blocked by organisations in second quarter of 2021 increased by over 40% year on year as hit and run attacks became more prevalent. So this is according to Radware's quarter two DDoS attack report. The study revealed that the average customer was forced to block 5,000 malicious incidents, which is a 30% year-on-year increase, and a volume of 2.3 terabytes per month during the quarter two of 2021. 
There's also a lot of significant geographical variation in terms of the where the attacks are targeted, according to the report. So during the first half of 2021, organisations in the Americas, or EMEA, had to handle twice as much volume compared to companies located in the APAC region. And the Americas and EMEA accounted for about 80% of the blocked attack volume during that period. In terms of breakdown by sector, the technology industry suffered the most in Q2, with an average of almost 3,000 attacks per company. This was followed by healthcare with 2,000 attacks and finance at 1,350 attacks. And additionally, attacks in retail, communications and telecommunications averaged between 600 and 1,000 per company. So some of these could be traced back to a DDoS extortion campaign by an individual posing as a prolific threat actor, Fancy Lazarus. However, Radware also recorded a surge in so-called burst or hit-and-run attacks, where victim organisations are repeatedly hit with short bursts of high-volume attacks. And one Radware customer actually suffered 12 attack bursts of 80 GBPS within a 45-minute within a time frame. Elsewhere, the report highlighted the increasing lengths to which cyber criminals are going to probe for gaps in corporate protection. Organisations, on average, blocked almost 2,000 scan events by unsolicited vulnerability scanners, 40% of which were classified as malicious attempts to exploit known vulnerabilities. The automation of such scanning makes prompt patching increasingly critical for IT ops teams. So yeah, the, the report really highlights the scale of DDoS attacks and, and how disruptive this can be to organisations throughout the world, as well as info security. Yeah, I think if I never, ever thought about DDoS again, it would probably still be too soon after the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, thanks, James. OK, so now over to Benjamin with news from the NSA in the USA. What a delicious rhyme. Yes, thank you. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to talk about the NSA offering a device to secure wireless devices when on the road. So the story is linked to improving the security of an increasingly hybrid and mobile workforce. So the US National Security Agency, the NSA, has released a device for mobile workers on how to secure their wireless devices from threats while out and about. Now, although the advice is designed for National Security System, NSS, Department of Defense, DUD, and Defense Industrial Base, DIB, teleworkers, there's no doubt it is relevant for all business travelers. And here at Info Security, we obviously hope that business travel will be back up and running soon after a long pause due to the pandemic. So the document warns that threat actors can comprehensive devices over Bluetooth, public Wi-Fi and near field communications or NFC. This could put personal and organizational data credentials and devices at risk. Devices include laptops, tablets, smartphones, wearables, and more. Now, in general, the NSA urges device owners to keep them up to date with patches, use anti-malware, deploy multi-factor authentication, reboot them regularly, and not leave them unattended its advice for threats over Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and NFC is as follows. So regarding public Wi-Fi, it advises to avoid connecting when possible, even if a password is required. 
If you absolutely have to use a public network, connect with a VPN and only visit HTTPS sites. Disable Wi-Fi and auto connect when not in use. For Bluetooth, malicious actors can scan for active Bluetooth signals and access device information that can be used to compromise it. Users should disable the feature when not in use. Ensure the device is not left in discovery mode. Use an allow list of apps that can use Bluetooth and monitor connections periodically. Bluetooth should never be used to communicate sensitive info like passwords. And lastly, for NFC, although operations opportunities, excuse me, to exploit vulnerabilities in NFC are restricted due to range limitations, the NSA urges users to disable the feature when not in use and not to send sensitive information via NFC. It's also important not to bring devices close to unknown electronic devices, as this can trigger automatic communication. So, this document is well worth reading for all workers, especially those set to getting back to regular travel for their work. Thank you so much, Ben. You're right, we so hope that business travel will be back up and running without border restrictions as soon as possible. I think with Black Hat and DEF CON happening next week, I'm insanely jealous of those able to attend in real life. We will, of course, at InfoSecurity be covering the event remotely, bringing you all of the news and session coverage that you would usually expect. But I do adore that annual pilgrimage to the desert, and um, I will very much miss that uh, one week in adult Disneyland that we get every year. Um, But for everyone going, we hope you have a wonderful time, and we can't wait to be back there next year. We've got more news later in the podcast today, but now let's talk about Respect in Security, um, which is an initiative that we at InfoSecurity Towers are super proud to say we sparked the conversation and shone a spotlight on the issue, which ultimately led to the foundation of Respect in Security. So at the beginning of this year, I wrote a feature on harassment, sexual harassment, trolling, physical abuse, physical threats in the InfoSecurity industry. Cyber House Party, on reading that feature, then ran a session on the topic and invited me to moderate it. That session caught the attention of many, including some of the initiative's eight co-founders. We're going to hear from one of those co-founders shortly. Um, Nikki Webb is going to join us for a chat. Respecting Security has commissioned a study around why they are doing this, and it found that a third of cybersecurity professionals have experienced harassment either online or in person within the industry, and the victims were evenly split between male, female and non-binary. A quarter of those respondents claim that current reports of harassment were highly underrepresentative, indicating a far bigger problem that's currently underappreciated. So let's allow Nikki Webb, one of the co-founders, to tell us more. Apologies, the sound quality of this interview isn't quite up to our usual standard. But Nikki did kindly agree to do this interview whilst on holiday in the middle of nowhere. So huge thanks to Nikki. So I'm joined by Nikki Webb, who is one of the eight co-founders of Respect in Security, a new anti-harassment, anti-trolling, anti-abuse initiative within the cybersecurity industry. Nikki's day job is Global Channel Manager for Custodian 360. 
She's also the marketing manager at Cyber Helpline, part of the team at Cyber House Party and co-founder, of course, of Respect Insecurity. So a very busy lady. Uh, Nikki, thanks so much for joining me today, especially as you're on holiday and especially because you're in the middle of a farm slash middle of nowhere right now. <laughs> no worries. Thanks ever so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, well, we've been following the Respect Insecurity launch here at Info Security Magazine, and we are actually covering it in our upcoming print issue. Um, but I, I wanted to take this opportunity to get you on the podcast today, Nikki, just to ask you to kind of tell us the story behind Respect Insecurity. So, where did this all begin, and why have you, amongst eight others, decided to fi- find this initiative? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of thanks to InfoSec magazine. So you featured an article on online trolling earlier this year, um, and it massively affected all the founders of Respect and Security. And some of those people that you spoke to for that um, then appeared on the following Cyber House Party. Um, and having heard harrowing stories and sort of the impact that it had on some of these people, we decided that it was, you know enough enough now for time and need to do something about it. Um, so collectively, um, the co-founders of Respect and Security started straight away back in May to work on an initiative and, you know, what can we actually do? What, what can we do? What can we change? And what can't we change? Um, and that, that's where Respect and Security that was launched last week came from. That was the whole idea behind it. And what about you personally? What has driven you to take on yet another job on the <laughs> side, um, <laughs> fill more hours of your life? But what was it that affected you about this that made you want to be involved? Um, I think there's a couple of reasons. I mean, I'm hugely passionate um, about this industry. I transitioned into cybersecurity several years ago now, and I, I absolutely fell in love with it. I loved everything about it, from the exhibitions to the work, the excitement at the pace it moves. However, over recent years, that sort of became a little bit diluted by, you know, keep hearing stories of extreme trolling, online bullying, people being excluded in, you know, different companies because of race, gender, or even down to their appearance. Um, and it really affected me. And a lot of work that I do in my day job is encouraging younger people to come into the industry, um, both boys and girls, you know, from a young age, um, high schools, colleges, universities. And having listened, well, having read your article, being a magazine's article, and then having listened to the stories on the Cyber House Party, I feel, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite encouraging young people to come into this industry unless it's, you know, it's a safe and fair place to be. That's my driving force behind you know, getting involved in it. And I, I, just, I just want it to be, I just want everybody to have the experience that I had several years ago coming in the industry. Yeah, amazing. And in terms of what the initiative actually is or does, can you talk us through that? So from what I understand, it's not a reporting platform for abuse or bullying, but rather sort of a signposting service that directs people to the right resources. Am I correct or have I got that wrong? No, 100% correct. So, you know, we, we are not here as judge and jury. We're not here to police anything. We've, you know, we've been put together. We've, we've got two pledges that you can take. So you can take an individual pledge, which is for you as a person within the industry um, to take. And that, that's to encourage people to, you know, think about think about their actions and their behaviours and think about, you know, what, what that post that you're about to put out, what impact that might have on somebody. Or, you know, if we're going to have a Zoom drink tonight and we don't include that person from the team, think about how it would make that person feel. And I think it's really important to highlight here as well that harassment, harassment comes in many, many different forms. You know, it might be online, it could be in person, physical, verbal, non-verbal. So, so think about that. So we've got that pledge, that's stuff like individuals within our community coming together and just being there for each other, you know, and looking out for their peers. 
Um, and then the organisation one, obviously we can't we can't tell, you know, as an initiative respecting security, can't tell organisers how to run their business um, or how to, you know, discipline people. But we're asking organisations to take the pledge um, and sort of be transparent and accountable in their reporting procedures and channels um, and sort of help to drive positivity in um, sort of interactions that we have with each other as professionals. Um, you know, and ultimately, we, we want we want people that are being harassed or, you know, have, have witnessed or have experienced these perpetrators we want them to have a safe channel to go through within their organization to say look this happened to me this isn't right please can you help me without any repercussion um that quite yeah that's that's the pledges that are available for people to take and to be honest i mean we launched last thursday and i'm absolutely blown away our target for 2021 was to have 50 organizations within cyber security registered for the pledge and we actually hit 50 yesterday and the support has just been phenomenal that's amazing news. Yeah, I remember Rick telling me that, you know, 50 was this optimistic target that you were working towards. So to achieve that within a week is just incredible. Yeah, absolutely amazing. It was, yeah. And, it, and I think, I think more than anything, it's kind of validation for us that this is needed and it is something that people sort of have been crying out for but maybe didn't know how to do or how to do, you know, the work, the sleepless nights and everything else for the last few months pulling this together have well been worth it. Hitting 50 yesterday was just amazing. And in terms of taking the pledge, um, what logistically does that look like? Is it something that you, is there a co- contract you sign? Is it a social media statement? How, what actually does that mean As, on the individual so in, side? On the individual. So on the individual side, there's no contract. You know, we, we couldn't get into that. There's, there's tens of thousands of us in the industry. Um, so as an individual, we're basically sort of committing, asking people to commit to upholding the values of respect and security. And there's sort of there's three sort of simple, simple facts point to that pledge um it's basically them agreeing that our profession should be a safe and secure and supportive place and that they will ensure that their behavior upholds this belief so our belief they they're basically committed to not harassing or abusing others whether that be online or in person and they're committing to only engage respectfully with peers and honesty with honesty and integrity really and that that is the individual pledge so i mean some of it, when you read it, you think, well, you know, that's, that's what we sort of all morally have installed in us. And I, I do think generally people do have it installed, but sometimes things get a bit heated. So rather than reacting to stuff, step back away from it, have a good think about it, cool down a bit and think about, you know, think about your next step and think about the impact that might have on others. Yeah. And that's exactly what I, you know, what I was thinking when you were talking then. I was thinking it's so, in a way, it's so sad that we have to have this because like you say, these are values and things that we should all just be doing naturally. Um, So the fact that it's needed is a real shame. But at the same time, I totally agree with you. I think recently as well over the the last year or so it has become trolling and harassment has become more endemic in the industry and it's just it's devastating because the vast majority of us are here and we're supportive and we're you know a great community that only wants to hold each other up it's a small fish in a very big ocean so there's nothing i can do but collectively you know if we all come together with respect and security and take the pledge collectively there is something we can do to help those people Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it's almost like watching it snowball, isn't it? I think when I spoke to uh, Lisa Forte about this, she was saying about how over time people sort of accidentally create these pylons on Twitter where 
friends or colleagues sort of if their friend or colleague has been harassed or something's been said to them that they don't like they'll they'll start this kind of manhunt against the person and more and more people get involved and actually it's almost counterproductive because that person then almost becomes the troll um sort of yeah you know as a consequence yeah and it's it's, you know there are better ways to deal with it I mean I'm I'm fortunate I I, you know I've never I know that Lisa has experienced it herself I've, I've never been in that situation on social media so I can't even pretend to know what it feels like but I think you know just because somebody posts something and you might agree with them or not agree with them you know there's two sides to every story so don't just all pile in um because ultimately if you've piled in because you feel that somebody's bullying somebody or harassing somebody etc by piling in you've then become the perpetrator as opposed to helping the person that you, you're sort of seeing as the victim if that makes sense you've then become part of the problem yeah absolutely absolutely in terms of where people can go nikki to either learn about taking an individual pledge or a an organizational pledge what's your website url so website is respectingsecurity.org and it's all nice and simple now you can see you know what people are saying about it what other organizations are saying about it great examples on there as well people companies that have taken the pledge it's now on their website with clear clear basically complaint procedures um which is nice so yeah you can do everything you want to do on there there's a whole section of questions and answers which can, will answer most people's questions that we've had coming through there's work going on in the background to provide specific guides around certain forms of harassment which will be available to download for anybody that's been a victim um give them you know some, some, a good guide to what they should be doing next yeah, and then consequently, as time moves on, we will be doing training modules and things like that for organisations to get involved in, to, you know, to sort of reinstill, re- like, the Respect and Security Pledge into all their employees. Amazing. So I, I know that Info Security Magazine are absolutely keen to take the pledge, and um, I have personally. So, But just to repeat that URL again for everyone listening, it's respectinsecurity.org. Nikki, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and talking us through the story. Absolute pleasure, always is. Thank you ever so much for having us. Thanks, Nikki. Bye. Take care. Bye. For more information on respect in security, we've got a double page feature in the Q3 issue of Info Security magazine that has now gone to press. You can also visit the initiative's website, www.respectinsecurity.org. Yeah, such such an important initiative. The article that you wrote in Q3 magazine is well worth reading. So before we continue on with today's news, we're just going to pause briefly to bring you a message from our sponsor, Rockwell Automation. Rockwell Automation has expanded its threat detection services to include Cisco CyberVision. This alliance allows customers to benefit from Cisco's IT networking and security expertise, along with Rockwell Automation OT and industrial automation experience and know-how. Together, these industry leaders bring IT and OT teams together to fight industrial cyber security threats. Learn more at rok.auto forward slash security. Thanks, James. No rest for the wicked, though, as I'm going to come straight back to you and ask you to share the ransomware story with us. Do you think there's ever going to be a podcast where we don't mention ransomware? It's not looking that way, is it? No, (laughs) No, it isn't. Um, (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, y- yesterday I spoke about the emergence of, of a new ransomware gang on the dark web, and yeah, it definitely won't be of any surprise to our audience that we have yet another ransomware story to discuss today. So a new study by cybersecurity vendor SonicWall found that global ransomware attacks hit nearly 305 million in the first half of 2021, which already exceeds the total for the whole of 2020, and this marks a 151% year-to-date increase. Uh, so very concerning. To make these findings, the firm analysed threat data from 1.1 million of its sensors in over 215 countries and territories, as well as shared threat intelligence from more than 50 industry collaboration groups and research organisations. Year-to-date volume increases in the US and the UK were particularly large, so 185% in the US and 144% in the UK compared to the same period in 2020. Ryuk, Cerber and Samsam were the top three ransomware families and they accounted for 64% of all recorded attacks. And some verticals were especially badly hit. So this was government with a 900% year-to-date volume increase, education at 615%, healthcare 594% and retail 264%. So Sonic Wall claimed that remote working continues to be a major Achilles heel for organisations. Attackers have honed their threats over the past 18 months to target distracted workers with phishing emails, exploit unpatched vulnerabilities in VPNs and other infrastructure and hijack RDP endpoints protected by weak passwords. Interestingly, though, despite the surge in ransomware, Sonic Hall actually recorded a 24% drop in malware volumes year on year in the first half of 2021, which suggests that threat actors are increasingly abandoning so-called spray and pray techniques for more targeted attacks on higher value organisations. Elsewhere, Sonic Wall found that crypto jacking attacks increased in the first half of 2021 as the price of digital currencies increased. So they detected a 51.1 million crypto jacking attempts, which represents a 23% increase over the same six-month period last year. So this study provides yet more evidence for the rising threat of ransomware, um, which is an attack method we've we've obviously seen explode in the in the past year or so. Yeah, thanks, James. I think it's telling how many times you use the word increase um, in that segment, and it just does go to show all those stats are consistent, and and that's why we're talking about ransomware so consistently. So we're going to finish up today with a law enforcement story. So Benjamin, take it away. Thank you. Yeah. So I have news of a formerly high-profile figure in the security industry ending up in jail for cyber-stalking. And this is Philip Cook, a former supervisor for security operations at eBay, who has been sentenced to a year and a half behind bars for his role in a cyber-stalking campaign that targeted the publishers of an e-commerce newsletter. Now, Cook, who used to work at the internet firm's European and Asian offices, was the first of seven former eBay employees who have been charged to be sentenced. Four others have also pleaded guilty. Now, prosecutors told a federal court in Boston that the plot was hatched after CEO Devin Wenig and another top official expressed anger and frustration at the criticism levelled in the e-commerce Bytes newsletter. He reportedly texted the other exec about the newsletter's editor, saying it was time to take her down. 
However, Wenig was never charged and has denied knowing about the scheme. Now, former police captain Cook and others met in August 2019 to discuss a scheme to intimidate the Massachusetts couple who owned, edited and published the newsletter. The couple were apparently harassed on Twitter and sent disturbing packages, including live cockroaches. Now, Cook is reported as admitting in court horrific behaviour to please the boss. It's crystal clear this was all wrong from start to finish, he reportedly added. Cook has also been told to pay $15,000 fine and will need to spend a year under home detention after his release. Now, here at InfoSecurity, we have regularly covered the issue of cyberstalking, which can have a devastating impact on victims. Now, the problem has been exacerbated during the COVID-19 pandemic. For example, cybersecurity company Malwarebytes recorded a peak increase in the use of monitoring apps and spyware from January the 1st to June the 30th, 2020, finding a 780% increase in monitor apps detections and a 1,677% increase in spyware detections. It's also heavily associated with physical or sexual violence according to the European Institute for Gender Equality. Seven in 10 women who have experienced cyberstalking have also experienced at least one form of physical or sexual violence from an intimate partner. The issue has led to the creation of the Coalition Against Stalkerware in 2019 to protect users against this malevolent software. And let's hope we see more prosecutions for this in the future. Thanks, Ben. That's a, a nice, juicy story to end with today. That brings us to the end of this July episode of Into Security. One final shout out and a big old thank you to our sponsor, Rockwell Automation. Rockwell Automation has expanded its threat detection services to include Cisco CyberVision. This alliance helps IT and OT work together to fight cybersecurity threats. Learn more at rok.auto forward slash security. We'll be back on Monday with another episode of Into Security Daily. But until then, thanks for listening. I've been Eleanor. I've been James. And I've been Benjamin. Thanks for listening to Into Security. For in-depth interviews with the industry's finest minds, check out our sister podcast, Into Security Chats. Join us again next month. Until then, stay safe and keep up to date with everything you need to know about information security via the infosecurity-magazine.com website. Music